Okay, so tonight is, uh, it's chapter 15 tonight. We're deep into the Tanya. We are. 15 chapters is, is far in. We've had a break. We lose traction. We have some new men. We have to uh, catch up. Bring into the fold. So that everybody's on the same page and that we're, uh, we're on the journey together. By the way, Anton Kant, the sponsor for tonight, came up with a great idea that uh, we should do periodically a comprehensive review of where we're at in the Tanya. So we're going to do that. We're going to do three review classes. Tonight's chapter 15. At the end of chapter 17, we're going to do one. Then by 34. And then at the end, at 53. So that... Uh, Still yeah. So that so that it, it, it keeps us engaged, and it brings others in. It opens the floor for people that are not are not with us to uh, to get with us. The Tanya is the book of the people. It's the book of the people because it discusses people, <coughs> particularly three types of people, three characters identified in the Talmud: Tzadik, Benoni. Russia. Classically, righteous, intermediate, evil. But as we've come to see over these last months, the mystical definition of righteous, intermediary, and evil is not so much about what you do, but who you are. Talmudically, one says, if you're majority good deeds, 51% good deeds, you're a tzaddik. 51% bad deeds, you're a Russia. 50-50, you're a Benoni smack in the middle. But the Alter Rebbe revealed to us and developed in beautiful ways that the tzaddik is the inspired Jew. The Jew who's always in love with Hashem, palpably. He has no other voice in his life. It's just one voice. The Russia... We came to call him in these classes the compromised Jew. He gave in. He gave in to his weakness even once. That puts you in the category of Russia, because Russia doesn't mean evil, Russia means you're weak. And Benoni, who is the hero of the Tanya, is the one who's in the middle, not because he's 50-50 on his deeds, but because he's in between the personality of a compromised Jew and an inspired Jew. How is that? He's not inspired, but he never compromises. He doesn't have that consistent passion with Hashem. He struggles with temptation. He has two voices, two judges, as we've come to name them in the Tanya. He's pulled, he's torn, he's dichotomized. His life is defined by flux. But he always makes the right choice when it comes to the action. And although the tzaddik gets one chapter in the Tanya, the Russia gets one chapter in the Tanya, from chapter 12, it's the Benoni stage. Because the Benoni is the possible man. To be a tzaddik is, to, is a gift from God. To be a Russia, we all know what that's like. 
But to be the Benoni is the potential of the human being. To exercise full self-control, full self-discipline in every choice and at every time in your day. Doesn't matter who's watching, doesn't matter who's there, doesn't matter the circumstance. You know, there was a, uh, there was a great chassid of the last generation. His name was Rabbi Yisrael Noyach Belenitsky. He was called Rabbi Yisrael Noyach the Great. And the story is told that when he was a youngster in Lubavitch, the town of Lubavitch in Russia, one of the threats that hung over many young boys was the draft, being drafted to the army. But somehow if you were married, there was a kind of exemption for those that were married. So, Rabbi Yisrael Nayach was, was learning then in Lubavitch in, in, the, in the Chabad Yeshiva. And as many boys, as his age approached to be drafted, they would go into a private audience with the Rebbe to ask for a blessing. And the Rebbe Rashab had very mysterious ways. Everybody knew. There would be different answers for different results. If the Rebbe Rashab said, may God be with you, it meant you're going to end up being drafted, but you'll survive. If the Rebbe Rashab would say, they won't see you, that means when you came to the draft, something good would happen, they would exempt you. There was different answers, different things. Rabbi Yisrael Nayach comes into the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe of Chabad. He asks him, I'm going to the draft soon. I need a blessing. So the Rebbe Rashab said, you'll travel to Disna, it's the name of the city. You'll meet there a Jew, Rabbi Itcha. You'll marry his daughter and you'll be exempt from the draft. You go to Disna, you meet Rabbi Itcha, you marry his daughter, and you go to the draft. All right? He, he got right. That's clear. Which next, daughter? <laughs> next, morning, next morning, he's on the wagon. He's traveling to Disna. He arrives in Disna. He starts inquiring, where is Rabbi Itcha? Who is Rabbi Itcha? Oh, Rabbi Itcha, he's a great guy. This is his house, da-da-da-da. You know, he goes to the door, knocks on the door. Hello? Hi, my name is Yisrael Neyach Belenitsky. I'm here to marry your daughter. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Get out of my house. He, sa- he says, no, the Rebbe Rashab instructed me to marry your daughter and I'll be exempt from the draft this way. He said, I, I don't know who you are. Get away. I, I-, I, have to- I have to confirm this. So he left him in the town of Disna and Itcha himself traveled back to Lubavitch and asked the Rebbe Rashab for a private audience and he says there's a boy who showed up at my house his name is Rabbi he says he's here to marry my daughter okay what kind of guy is he I'm about to give my daughter's hand in marriage to this anonymous man what's he like Rebbe Rashab said Yisrael Neyach is a boy who even when he's alone in his room, he has fear of God. That was his definition. He sits in his room and he has fear of heaven. A later Rebbe would comment about him that he was a Benoni. And it matches. Because the Benoni is the guy who always has fear of heaven even when nobody's looking. It doesn't matter who's watching. He's always making the right choices. But what we've come up against in the last couple of chapters is that it's actually frustrating to learn about the Benoni. 
because it almost seems unrealistic to be in full control the entire time, every choice, every minute, every hour of the day, never to give in, never to compromise. Even once, even giving in once the temptation puts you in the category of Russia. So it's almost like once we get to chapter 12, let's, let's just close the book. And when you learn Tanya with young people, by the way, like teenagers, this is what typically happens. I remember this myself. Typically what happens, they don't have the ability to uh, differentiate. So they go, Tanya's not for me. I can't do it. It's done. And it is. It is frustrating. The Alter Rebbe is not trying to, 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 to make us depressed. Okay, that's obvious. I guess, I guess the Alter Rebbe himself is, is not compromising. He, he's, he's living the Benoni's life. He's not compromising. He's being honest with us. He's laying down the truth of what it is to be a Jew. But to help us a little bit more in, in relating the Benoni to our own experience, we learned in chapter 14, which was our last class, before Passover, we learned, and I'm going to paraphrase it, the Benoni is what you should be. But more importantly, it's what you could be. And the Alter Rebbe basically told us to reduce our lives to increments of five minutes. There's the level of the Benoni. The level of the Benoni is the guy who's totally locked in. This is how he lives. This is his lifestyle. But then there's also the Mida, the reality of the Benoni, which we could enter at any time. Anytime we want to take control for five minutes, don't think about 80 years. 80 years is an impossible mission. For the next five minutes, can we be a Benoni? Can we control thought, speech, and action for five minutes? The answer is yes, we can. And in that way, each of us could be a Benoni, if only for a moment. If only for a moment we could be a Benoni. But that requires for you to be thinking about it all yes. the time. Yes, and that was another big part of the chapter there where you have to be mindful. Everyone's into mindfulness these days. This is biblical. You can only be in charge of yourself if you pay attention. If you're not paying attention to yourself, you will lose control. It is a difficult task. That's why the Alter Rebbe says, do it for five minutes. You can't do it for your whole life. Do it for a little bit. Yeah, of course. In other words, it takes focus. The second you lose focus is when you lapse. But we all know this experientially from recovery from addiction. For those of us that have been through it, this is this. It's the same principles: consistent self-control. Anyone who's involved in a discipline, working out, it's a discipline. There's principles. You want to learn. It doesn't matter what it is, physical, emotional, mental. There's always a consistency that's demanded. And so here, for the Benoni, the Alter Rebbe says, it, it, it is what you could be. And so even if it's not working out every day, be a Benoni for a moment. And that's where we kind of left off before Pesach. Now we had a break, and we're jumping in to the next section of the Tanya. And we're going to explore the Benoni for the foreseeable future. We're going to open up and we're going to explore if I could identify it as three worlds. Three worlds of the Benoni. 15, 16, 17. Three chapters coming up. 
Tzaddik, we condensed it all in one chapter. Russia, we condensed it all in one chapter. The Benoni is going to get a lot of attention. But before we go there, before we go to the, the three worlds, I want to just say an intro that the Alter Rebbe says in the beginning of chapter 15. It just, it, it's, it's self-standing. It just crystallizes the difference between Tzaddik and Benoni. It has to do with a verse. I'm not going to get into the technicalities of it. Let's just get to the point. He says, and for those that know Hebrew, this will be easier to process. A tzaddik is an eved Hashem, a servant of Hashem. A benoni is an oved Hashem. He is serving Hashem. Servant, serving. What's the difference? One is an identity and one's an occupation. A servant is one point. You've become a servant. So it doesn't matter what you do, you're always a servant. Servant could be sleeping, servant could be eating, servant could be shopping, servant could be learning, servant could be surfing, servant could be riding, it doesn't matter. He's a servant. It's who he is. It's his identity. A person who is serving, or is working, more accurately translated, is a series of moments. The second you take a break, you're not working, okay? Those of us that are at work, I'm working from home now. Every time you pick up the phone, now you're not working. Now it's a break. When you get back to you, you'll be working again. Working is a, is a work in, pro- it's a current status, but it's always open for change. So, the Alter Rebbe says, that's the difference between a tzaddik and a benoni. They're both not doing anything wrong. Look at them on the outside, you think they're both morally perfect. <clears throat> but the tzaddik is Jewish because that's who he is. And the benoni is Jewish because he has to constantly be it. He's constantly working at it. It's not who he, it's, it, in, in a way, it's more what he, it's what he does versus who he is. Even though, in general, all three characters are who they are. But in this context, the Benoni is doing everything right. The Tzaddik is right. <coughs> so, with that in mind, it's going to be easier to approach what we're going to be talking about tonight. There's a verse in the prophet of Malachi. Most people um, that study prophets don't get to Malachi because he's the very last book of the prophets. So there's 24 books of the Bible. It's the last one. In the last one, it's the last chapter. So, but actually, this year we read it as a Haftorah. This year, rarely, whenever Passover falls on Sunday, um, the Shabbat before we read a special Haftorah. So we've all seen it two weeks ago. And if you haven't seen it yourself, your neshama saw it. And the verse is as follows. Malachi says, V'shavtem uritem. If you turn around, which means if you'll focus, you'll see that there is a difference between tzaddik l'rasha, between a tzaddik and a rasha, between oved elokim l'asher lo avado between the servant of God and he who does not serve him. So it seems to be a redundant verse. If you focus, you'll see the difference between a righteous man and an evil man. He who serves God and he who doesn't. Seems to be the same character. But the Alter Rebbe says everything in Torah is exact. So clearly, 
the tzaddik and rasha are different from the one who serves God and he who does not serve him. And it fits beautifully with the Tanya because those people are the Benoni. There's a Tzaddik, a Russia, and then there's the Benoni who can be either serving God or not serving Him. Two levels in Benoni, and particularly there's going to be three. A Benoni who's serving God, a Benoni who is serving God, and a Benoni who's not serving God. Three categories. Serving, serving, and not serving. Because there's two kinds of serving. And these are going to be the three worlds of Benoni, which if I could use English words, here's how we're going to define it. Benoni by nature. Benoni by virtue of the godly soul and Benoni by virtue of the mind. And in progressive order, the Benoni by nature is the one who's going to be considered to not serve God. The Benoni by virtue of his godly soul is going to be the server, but not the ultimate server. And the Benoni who's able to employ his mind is going to be the one who's going to be the best Benoni. Chapter 15 is about the Benoni by nature. The Alter Rebbe makes, makes the case that there could be somebody who fits the title of Benoni, which means not inspired, but not compromised, and he's doing it simply by his nature. For him, life is easy. Now, that seems to be a contradiction in terms, because a Benoni by definition has a Yetzir Hara evil inclination. Evil inclination means there's a second voice. So how can you be a Benoni with a Yetzir Hara easily? So I need to debunk something that I've been feeding you for a lot of weeks now. Okay? Yeah. A, a, little, a, little, a little disclaimer, okay? Get a refill first. Yeah. Find a refill. Refill. We have to. We have to turn the wheels on something a little bit. <coughs> the truth is, we, we've already said it in hints, but we haven't said it clearly. I've made it sound like the Benoni is defined by struggle. That's his definition. He's the fighter. The tzaddik doesn't fight. The benoni fights. That's a byproduct. The truth is that the core difference between the tzaddik and the benoni is the level of inspiration. Passion and love for Hashem. That's the core difference. The tzaddik is the one who's in love with Hashem and therefore, commensurately, he hates evil, like we talked about in chapter 10. And the Benoni is the one who doesn't love God. Now, a byproduct of not being inspired is that struggle arises. Because if you're not inspired, there's no fire to keep the heat on, so the cold can get in, and now there's challenge. But 
essentially, what I, what defines you as a benoni is that you're not inspired. Hence, some benonis won't experience the byproduct. Some benonis will know. Look, I don't love God. I don't. I'm not inspired. But I don't have struggle. Which is bizarre. Struggle to observe. Oh no! Uh, yeah, a struggle. To, a struggle in general. Yeah, to, to to do anything wrong with temptation, anything. They don't have struggle. Now we have to explain how this works. So first, we've, we've just defined the benoni by nature. Benoni by nature means he's a guy who's not inspired, and that's what makes him a benoni by virtue of the fact that he doesn't experience passion to Hashem. That makes him a benoni automatically. He has a yetzer hara. But he's not doing anything wrong, not because he overcomes a struggle, but by nature. How does this work? So the Alter Rebbe identifies three tendencies. <clears throat> and this is going to be a unique blend, okay? Because only if you have all three can you really fit this category. You have to be a real, a real geek, okay? <laughs> this is what, I mean, I just stole the beans, but that's really what it's going to be. The Benoni by nature is only possible if you're an absolute geek. What do I mean by that? Disclaimer. Disclaimer, right, exactly. Since Larry went from the right. First, the Alter Rebbe says the first tendency to be a, you know what, let's just call him the, uh, the boring Benoni, okay? We'll just call him that, the boring Benoni. He's boring, he's flat, he's two-dimensional. This is, this is who he is. The first tendency to fit the bill of being the boring Benoni is bookworm. Balter Rebbe calls him matmid bilimudo. Studious by, studious in his learning. He loves knowledge, he's the bookworm, he loves to read, he loves to find out things, he loves to learn about the world, about Torah, about who, who, who cares what. He just loves to learn. The guy in college that we called the geek. That this was him. He's always in the library. Right? He's always coming home with stacks of books. He's always this and that. <clears throat> Typically, these people, by the way, they're, 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 um, they're like, they're introverted. They, they don't like being with people. They like to just be themselves. They like to uh, stay uninvolved. Don't invite me to the parties, you know? Those guys what the Talmud calls marash chora. It's like a, literally means a black gallbladder, but it, it's, it's the idea of like, uh, they have a black, blackish personality. And so he's a bookworm. It's not a challenge for him to open up the Torah. He's going, bring me more Torah. Let's go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know? That, that's where he lives. It's like the, yeah. I mean, we, all had, we, we all had friends like that even if not in yeshiva, in, in school. There was always those guys that just couldn't get enough reading done. And the truth is, they, they can't take much credit for what they achieve. You know, if they, if they do well scholastically, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a big deal. Okay, you're, you're the guy who loves to learn. I remember uh, we have in my house, we have uh, a hard drive which has videos from when I was a kid. But like a baby, my parents just moved here. 
And uh, there's actually... Oh, good timing, yeah. good timing. Good timing. There's actually a video of my father's birthday. Uh, this is 98, okay? So we're talking years ago. And I was watching this a couple of months ago, and it's a good story that fits. He said a story at this birthday for bringing in 98. And uh, it, 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 fits, it fits what we're talking about. In, in, in Lubavitch, in the, uh, in the Chabad Yeshiva, in Tom Chetmimim, so there was the mainstream boys that would keep the schedule properly, and then there was exceptional boys who were allowed permission to daven for hours. Like the Benoni in chapter 12, the guy who puts everything into his davening, puts in all the firewood so he heats up for the day. This were these guys. They had permission to daven, and these guys daven for six, seven, eight hours. It's no joke. No. And, and they didn't get up at 10, understand? They got up at four in the morning, learning Hasidus, contemplating, and then davening. Great. How old were these guys? Huh? Late teens, early 20s. Wow. Younger than you. Incredibly focused, disciplined people. We're not... Still, different level. At that age to... Different level. And there are particularly, there was two of them. One, his name was David Haradaker. Reb David Haradaker. And the other one, his name was Reb Shilim Kuratin. Two fascinating life stories. We can talk about them for hours. American. Huh? American. Americans. Hardcore Russians, man. Russians. No, no, this is in, this is in Lubavitch. Lubavitch, city of Lubavitch. Yeah, yeah, this is, this, is, this is the late 1890s. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a story that my father said at a birthday party. I just, I just, no, 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 no. Horodokov. from Horodokov. Oh, not Horodokov. Wasn't it Horodokov? yeah, a different name. Horodokov. Reb David Horodokov, Reb Shilim Kuratin. And uh, they, they were two completely opposite personalities. Reb David was a, uh, was a cold man, introverted, lackluster, colorless almost. And uh, he would sit in a corner and just in his, in his place and he would daven and daven and fully focus. Reb Shilam was the sociable guy. Warm, lively, amicable. He, he was friendly, but he also sat and davened. And uh, I forget who it was that observed the difference between them. He said, Reb David Haradakar davens because he has nothing else to do. Because he has nothing else to do? Yeah, he has nothing else to do. Hmm. Nothing else interests him. He's, he, he was the boring Benini. Yeah. <clears throat> Reb Shilam, when he davens, this is, this is work. He's disciplining himself. He's going out of his nature. I'm, I'm the, the happy guy. He was the happy guy. I'm not doing justice to the personalities. Let's not make this black and white story. But the idea that the boring Benoni can't take as much credit for his achievements. He's just a bookworm. But bookworm is not enough. Okay? Because bookworms could also be tempted. Mm. The second tendency that a boring Benoni has is that he's cold to lust. Cold to lust. Opposite of Larry. <laughs> Don't all raise your hands at once. Sit on your hands. We're still talking about Russia, right? <laughs> so he, he's, he's cold and therefore... No problem. Therefore, uh, the tests about intimate relationships, women, 
the Alter Rebbe talks, he's, he gets graphic. These tests don't, they don't appeal to him. Yes, cold to lust. Yes, I'm sorry, was I not clear? No, 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 you were. Okay, cold to lust, yeah. Lusts don't turn him on. Right. So, by, by, by default, again, this is not a work thing, this is a nature thing. It's a nature thing, and uh, maybe none of us fit the bill, but we all know somebody that does. Not too many. Not, <laughs> not too many. Nobody that, here. That is true. <laughs> we all know the same one guy. Yes, we all know the same one guy. Oh, yes. The guy who's sitting real funny. We all know. <laughs> uh, exactly. We all, we, all, we all know who he is. Okay. Cold to lust. Easy. But that's not enough. So he's boring, he's a bookworm, and he's cold to intimate lusts. But thirdly, thirdly, material things don't appeal to him. Forget the woman. This is another thing. Food, cars, clothing, watches, movies. These things don't turn him on. Just not that kind of a guy. Take him to the restaurant. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not averse to it. He just doesn't. Just doesn't talk to him. Steak this way. Steak that way. It, might, it may as well. It's, it's all. All the same to me. Which car do you drive? Who cares? As long as it has four wheels, it gets me around. You know those guys that are looking forward all their life to buy the '63 Stingray or this. You know this is the thing. The art of cars. Car, the car shop across the, the street here. This is a Tesla crowd. Tesla crowd? Okay, Tesla crowd. Well, the fact is, it turns many people on. And this Benoni... Okay, we're, we're, not, we're not dealing with that right now. We're not dealing with that right now. We're, we're dealing with this, identifying the character. The character is the guy who is not turned on by the shirts, by the cars, by the, by the wealth of the, and, the, and the material of this world. So now that we have the three things, of course, this is incredibly rare for a guy to be a bookworm, cold to lust, and not care about the world. But if somehow you ended up with this blend, you could be a Benoni by nature. Because you don't love God, you're not passionate and inspired, but there's no, there's no challenge. Nothing's calling your name. You love to learn, and there's no distractions. Yeah, what are you? You know the guy? <laughs> the guy who came to the doctor. <laughs> the guy comes to the doctor, he says, uh, Doc, I don't smoke, I don't eat steak, I don't eat dairy or carbs, I don't do anything fun. Am I going to live long? Doctor says, what for? It's good. It's a good one. It's a good one. Because the, you, you, you're right. And uh, 
this this guy. Question. One second. Let, let me just finish the thought. This guy. This guy might uh, might. Whatever his motivation is, he. Th- this is who he is. He's the boring. He's the boring guy. And uh, there's no fight for him. There's no fight. By the way, the Alter Rebbe does say it, it's even possible to develop this by habit. Okay, habit, repetitiveness, pattern, consistency, these things, they could, they could create this, this model life. You know, as long as uh, change doesn't derail the schedule. The guy who's trying to work on it by habit, anytime there's change, like a Shabbos, there's more food on the table, he'll have to work harder. True. But habit, could, it could make you into a boring guy. So... This is, this is the, this is the Benoni that we're talking about tonight. And it's him that the Alter Rebbe calls Lo Avado. He says, you're not serving God. You may be doing everything right and nothing wrong, but you're not serving Hashem because you're born into this. Question? Yeah. If this level of the Benoni does have the inherent love for Hashem and fear. It's borderline tzaddik, is what it sounds like. Exactly. He's the he's the mirror image of the tzaddik. So the lowest level benoni is next next to the tzaddik. This is why I mentioned in the beginning of the conversation that the key difference between tzaddik and benoni is not the struggle, but the love for Hashem. The benoni by nature has zero love for Hashem, and that's what sets him apart. Now. Uh, uh, before we get to the, 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 the crux of the chapter, one thing has to be addressed. He, he may have no temptations for doing bad, but what's motivating him to do good? It's not, it's not explicitly answered in the chapter here, but it, it, is, it, it does come out from chapters 18 and 19, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. But the Alter Rebbe makes the case that by default, innately, every Jew loves God. Mm. The, there, there's an innate, what's called the Ahava Mesuteret. This is going to be explored from chapters 18 to 25. This is a whole thing. But innately, every Jew loves God. And so left to his own devices, he will default to doing what Hashem wants even if he's not in touch with it. He's default. So everyone was saying autopilot, you were all, you were all correct. But autopilot needs definition. The auto, basically, the autopilot of a Jew is to love Hashem, mm. which is fascinating. Wow. It, it, it's, it opens up a whole discussion about how... Uh, Jews love God. Right. And this is, what, this is what needs to be defined. It's, a, it's what's called the hidden love. It's not a felt love. It's an innate... It's an innate thing, but it's there. And when you peel away the layers, it's there. And uh, it, it, there's so many ramifications. The biggest one is what the Rebbe would always talk about, that Jews are not humans plus. Jews are a different category in creation. Typically, we talk about the four elements of creation, inanimate, vegetable, animal, and human. Then there's a Jew. For yeah. Jew was before <laughs> We're aliens. By the way, the highest have the capability of going lowest. 
That's how it works. Huh. The higher you are on the hierarchy, the, the, the lower you can fall. But let's not get into the chosen people thing now. Let, let's, 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 let's stay focused. So, this is, this is the boring Benoni. Three tendencies. The geek, cold to lusts, and not appealed to, uh, to physicality materialism. So, you know, so- sometimes, sometimes I'm sure we all wish that we had, that, that, that we had this problem, you know? Sometimes we kind of wish we would be in this condition. But the truth is, we, don't, we actually don't like these people. Forget religiously. Socially, the guys that are like this are not the ones that are liked. They're not celebrated. Thank you. Geeks and bookworms and boring people. They don't have passion. The Rebbe Rashab, the fifth, we started with him today. The fifth Rebbe of Chabad, he would say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in love with these guys that don't work. Because in the end, it could be that to be a Benoni you don't need struggle, but life is struggle. It's a sign of life if, we're, if, we're, if there's push and pull, if there's kind of dichotomy, paradox, these are signs of life. So we want to be there. And the Alter Rebbe makes a direct calling to this Benoni. And this is how the chapter closes. The Alter Rebbe tells this Benoni, you are not serving Hashem. I just want you to know that. You're low avadon. You're not serving. You're born into this. You're on autopilot. You don't care about anything. And so of course you're doing everything right. Nobody is justified to not fight in life. Nobody is justified to have no battles. And if you find that you have no battles, push your limits. Make something in your life uncomfortable. For most of us, that would be, you know, sleep a little less, talk a little less, do a little more work. For each of us, we know where we can push our own limits. Everybody has to be fighting, says the Alter Rebbe. And if you're not, you could be a good boy. But you have no justification. Do something to your life to, to, to expand your horizons so that you're fighting for something. Because fighting is where it's at. Going past yourself is where it's at. The reality during that time. Everyone from No. 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 It's hard to hard to fathom. But uh, yeah, there were struggles in different ways. That's what it is. And the Alter Rebbe gives the Talmudic analogy. The Talmudic analogy of the donkeys, which we'll uh, paraphrase into Amazon truck drivers. That'll be our uh, donkeys. Talmud talks about donkeys. We'll talk about Amazon truck drivers. Uber drivers are a great example, by, by the way, for this, for this analogy. Ubers. No, for what we're about to talk about. <laughs> the Talmud talks about um, 
The Talmud talks about transportation in the form of donkeys. Donkeys were the way to get around. They're strong-boned animals. They can handle a lot of weight. And uh, people would use them as a means of transportation. Donkeys. And there was a certain donkey marketplace. Everybody knew about it. It's in the Talmud. There was a donkey marketplace that had a daily going rate of 10 parsa, which is a Hebrew equivalent to about 10, 10 kilometers a day. What's it called? I'm hearing parsa. myself. Parsa. 10 parsa. Parsa? Someone, so, I'm, I'm hearing myself in the, in the thing. Oh. 10 parsa a day, $10. 10 zuzim. Yep. And they would travel from sunrise to sunset. There was a certain amount of time. And they could make 10 parsa a day for $10. Now, what happens is in those days there's no light. So when it comes night, you're stuck for the night. So if you needed an 11-hour shipping job, that was going to take you two days. Because it would be 10 parsa today, one parsa tomorrow. So of course you always had the guys who wanted prime now. Right? They need their thing early. They need their thing fast. They need their thing today. We can't wait another day. I know it's 12, I know it's 12 parsa away, but I got to get the delivery today. So they had a policy. They had a policy. They said, 10 parsa, $10. 11 parsa, $20. For the one extra parsa, double the price. Seven day. Full day. Seven day. Spend it all. Why? You can't re-rent it the same day. If Maybe ten parsa, if ten parsa go for ten bucks. How much was the cleaning fee? <laughs> that means it's one parsa per per dollar. How come when you hit the eleventh parsa, now it's it's double the price? So the Talmud says. The Talmud says. The one extra parsa pushed the donkey past the limit. Mm. And going past the limit, even a little bit, is worth everything. Mm. The Talmud uses that as an example for the way they used to learn you in those days. You exceeded your lease miles. Huh? You exceeded your lease miles. Yes, yeah, exactly. The Ubers have that type of a policy. Once you overstep a certain thing, now it's yeah. like the price goes up in a way exponentially. exponentially. The Talmud talks about how they used to learn. See, in those days, there was no writing allowed. The oral Torah had to be oral. That's how it was. It would pass down from teacher to student. You had to learn and memorize and retain it. It was incredible. And so the method of retention was review. A couple of sages got together. You heard a class. The teacher would leave. Now you had to sit and review. How many times would they review their learning? 100 times. Okay, after three times, I get, I get ants in my pants. I can't look at something more than three times. 100 times. That, that, that was, yeah, that was the basic standard. And the Talmud says, anybody who reviewed their learning a hundred times was low avado. They didn't serve God. But if somebody would review a hundred and one times, now they go into the category of serving God. Why? Because the one time over the limit, the habitual boundary, puts you in a new realm. You expand your limits even an inch, now you're in a whole new world. You know, there, there's a uh, halachic implication of this, by the way. I know it's not a Jewish law class, but
but uh, the fundamental rule of the laws of Shabbat. There's forbidden labor. It's forbidden to do work on Shabbos. The halachic definition of work is not so much what you're doing, but what you're accomplishing. Creative work, productive work is what's forbidden. And uh, one of the 39 prohibited categories of labor is called makebe patish. I'm not a clay uh, potter guy, so I don't really know the uh, intricacies of this. But apparently, when you fire up something in a kiln, mm-hmm. a, clay, a clay thing, um, even once you take it out, there is susceptibility to that it, that it can break and, and, and crumble. But there's a certain bang that when you take it out of the kiln, if you give it a bang with a hammer in the right way, it, it, uh, it hardens it to a point that now it's usable. And this is considered to be a forbidden labor on Shabbos. Makkah bepatish, the final bang. And it has a lot of ramifications nowadays, practically, putting the final touch on something. But it's one bang. In the context of the whole pottery vessel, it's one thing. But yeah, it's that thing which pushes it over the edge. So the Alter Rebbe says, you have every reason to legitimately claim that I'm in my natural habitat, everything's working out, I'm doing nothing wrong, I'm doing everything right. But you're not living. You're not a human until you produce some tension in your life. So the Alter Rebbe says, push the limits. And of course, we're coming from Pesach now. You go out of one Mitzrayim, you go out of one Egypt, you'll find another Egypt to push out of. Your limits will actually expand, your horizons will broaden every time you push past one challenge. And that's the Alter Rebbe's message to this Benoni. If there's no war, find a war. If there's no struggle, create a struggle. If there's no fight, pick a fight. L'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim.